Welcome to the Joy in the Journey podcast, a podcast about everyday people sharing everyday journeys. Everyone has a story, and I'm so excited to be highlighting people who share their unique stories about finding joy in theirs. I am your host, Catherine Buckley Tessim. I am a child of the king, firefighter wife, mom of two littles, and an entrepreneur. I love my sweet tea and being a small town Texas girl. Welcome to the journey. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to episode four of the Joy in the Journey podcast. Like my intro said, I am Catherine Buckley Tessum, and I'll be your host on this podcast that is all about sharing and finding joy in the journey. I am so excited today to welcome my good friend, Jennifer Johnson, Director of Athletics Marketing for Belmont University. Jennifer spent the last three years with the Frisco Rough Riders, the AA affiliate of the Texas Rangers. In her capacity there as the Director of Marketing, she spearheaded the organization's marketing strategy and managed in-game promotions. She has won numerous awards for Minor League Baseball Golden Bobblehead Award for Best In-Game Entertainment. She has been nominated for a Sammy Award through the National Sports Forum. And in her previous stops, she also was featured for the promo of the year with the Bowling Green Hot Rods, and several of her content creations were featured on Sports Illustrated and on ESPN Sports Center. She has done so much for the marketing world within minor league baseball, and I know that she will continue to make headway with college athletics. What impresses me the most about Jennifer is her organizational ability and honestly, just how relatable she is to everyone that she meets. So Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show today and being with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's like my college athletics debut. (laughs) I love it. And let's start out a little bit there. Kind of, you just moved back um, to to Belmont and, um, you know, you're familiar a little bit with the area, but kind of play us through a little bit of your journey and how it got you to where you are today. Yeah, so I spent the last 10 years in minor league baseball. Um, that was my first job besides a short stint in banking out of college. Um, that was not meant for me. Um, before I took a job with the Bowling Green Hot Rods. And so, you know, I um, worked with the Hot Rods for nine seasons in Bowling Green, my hometown. Took a leap of faith, moved to Texas um, to join the Frisco Rough Riders um, and was there for three years. Um, But kind of just overall, I was ready um, for the next move in my career and kind of the way that that looked to me was maybe not staying in minor league baseball, but moving. areas within the sports industry and then an amazing opportunity opened up here at Belmont um, which is only an hour south of my hometown here in Nashville Tennessee Um, so I'm here I've been here for almost two months Um, but yeah so still learning a lot. (laughs) I love that and I think that one thing that impressed me always whenever you were in Frisco is just your adaptability um, to whatever environment that you're in and be it minor league baseball or now for you college athletics, that, that that's one of the strongest things I think, um, especially in the sports industry, is just being adaptable to your environment and something that you've always done really, really well. Um, what is something that you would say over time through all of that, you know, being adaptable and getting into new new environments and working with different organizations? What is something that you would maybe in your career, maybe before then um, is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? So I think, you know, there's a lot 
that I learned throughout my career, just being put in different situations, different, um, you know, general managers, different ownership groups, just different personnel that you're working with. Everybody has different expectations. Everybody has different ways of going about, you know, carrying through their business. And so I guess I wouldn't necessarily call it a failure, but it was a big learning moment for me, um, especially in Bowling Green, when we transitioned from one ownership group to another, change GMs, it's just, you know, what was always done and what you're accustomed to and comfortable with may not be the way that things can continue to be. You know, you have to kind of take a step back. You have to be open-minded and learning the vision of those people that you're now under. Obviously, your opinion is obviously of great value um, from their from historical perspective of this is how we've done it, but am I open-minded to changing stuff? And so I think that's been one of the big key things. And, you know, when we had the first ownership change in Bowling Green, I was really stuck on this is how we've always done it. This is the way I've always done my job. And so I feel like it was kind of a bit of a hindrance at first. So when I came to Frisco, I said, you know, technically I was taking a step down in job title. I would no longer assume, you know, director of marketing roles for the team. So I had to take a step back and just be open-minded to somebody else has that job. This is their role and figure out how I worked best within that. And through all of that, I mean, it really leads into our next segue of when you're talking to younger students, I know that you served when you were in the Dallas area on the uh, Dallas Influencers in Sports and Entertainment Board of Directors. And so just being in that role and then also bringing in interns in Frisco, what is something that you always shared as a mentor of advice to that next generation of sports industry students? So I'll be very candid. When I got my first internship, I fully expected to just be going getting mail, getting coffee, you know, very office oriented because that's all I'd ever seen on TV and movies. Like there was nobody to tell me like, no, you're going to have to pull the tarp. You're going to get dirty. You're going to have to be a mascot. You got to do all these different things. I was like, no. Um, So I think like having somebody tell you like realistically, like this is what an internship in the sports industry looks like, you know, is very valuable. And I think going in and getting that experience, you know, there's so many students that I meet now that are just like, I just want to be in community relations or I just want to be in marketing and being in sports, you have to be versatile. I don't enjoy selling tickets. That's not where I feel comfortable, but I've done it and I know I can do it if it's, if it's needed. So to me, to be able to tell, you know, college students like, Hey, get an internship, experience different areas within the sports industry and kind of really feel, fill it out, see what you really like. And I always tell my interns when I get them, I'm never going to ask you to do anything that I haven't already done myself or would be willing to do right now. And so I think that's where I get, I start off my, my report with them of like, Hey, I've been there, done that. So I understand what you're going through. (laughs) Absolutely. And you, you were always willing, you know, to put in the time, like you said, I know that's something that we connect on. Uh, that saying right there is that, hey, I'm either going to be right there beside you doing it or chances are I did it yesterday, you know, so I will not ask you to do anything that I haven't done. And, and I think that's so key for you as a leader and why you are fantastic whenever you're leading a department. And then also just showing the way as you have worked your way up throughout um, the decade that you spent in the sports industry, you know, is that every step of the way you're like, if I was in charge, would I do it differently? Absolutely. 
But right now it's accepting the role that I'm in and how do I need to play within that. But I'm going to be a team player and I'm going to help and I'm going to do things the way that I'm asked. And but then also just, again, kind of how do we say it? Like earning your stripes (laughs) to where I spent time in the mascot suit. So you can too. No, that that is fantastic. And one of the things, again, just for me, being able to move to watch your journey and seeing how it moved from state to state to state, you know, like you said, taking that leap of faith down to Texas, you know, you didn't really know a whole lot of people, but you trusted that, hey, I'm going to be okay. And this is going to be a good move for me. Talk about a little bit about that leap of faith, but then also what are some resources that have helped you along the way be able to have that faith? I think one of the big things for me is 17-year-old Jennifer really wanted to go to the University of Texas. I was determined to get out of my hometown. Um, I got accepted, but uh, out-of-state tuition is a little too much. So I ended up staying in state. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I always wanted to move to Texas. That was just, I don't know what brought it on, but that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, and that's not where my, you know, journey was. It was to stay in my hometown. I learned a lot there. And so obviously when the opportunity presented itself to come to Texas, I did know one individual with the Rough Riders at the time. And he really encouraged me to apply for this job saying that, I believe you can do it. Your skill set's all there. You can definitely handle it. And so that was just kind of like the extra encouragement that I needed. And then so finally, when I got the job and I got to move, I was like, I finally did it. Like that was like a big checklist item for me was that I finally got to move to Texas. And honestly, it's not something that I thought about every day or even every year or anything like that. I just always thought it would be cool to do so. But, you know, having that leap of faith, having my family support behind me, my mom always says, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. Um, she would obviously have preferred me being closer. So she's super happy now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I always had the support of my friends and my family back in Kentucky and then being able to move to Texas and make new friends and, you know, kind of start new friendships and a, and a new life there was was key for me. And you really built along a lot up too. you know, you, to me, just again, I, I go back to that talent and your organizational ability and your view for bringing um, an outside perspective in. I think that you were able to influence a lot of decisions uh, there in Frisco. But going into that, kind of who were some of the people that influenced you along your journey to become who you are and now their legacy is living on through you? I would say, obviously, personally, in my life, you know, my parents are amazing. They've always been there to support me, encourage me, you know, they they keep you humble at times, (laughs) which is important. But they were always there. And like you said, they always supported my decisions. And, you know, again, as long as I'm happy, they're happy. It's kind of what we do. You know, in terms of my career, my first boss in baseball was Brad Taylor. He's the um, general manager and VP of the El Paso Chihuahuas. He's the one that really kind of guided me. I and mean, kind of, you know, when I first started, he, you know, I did a lot of sponsorship proposals for him. You know, he took me along on meetings. He encouraged me. He said, you've got this. You've got a knack for this. You know, you, you can do this. And so he's always been there throughout my entire career. We kept in touch even when he moved out to El Paso. Always obviously reconnect at promo seminar and winter meetings. And so I've always had that. And so if I've ever had questions or, you know, just I can just talk to him. Like, I know I can just call him or text him right now and just be like, hey, this is 
how I feel about this. What are your thoughts? I need your opinion. I need your advice. You know, so that's always been key for me. And then, you know, I never had a female boss and a true, I would say, female mentor throughout my career. I think just in the different phases and different seasons of my career, there's different women that I've looked up to or I've bonded with, you know, that kind of helped me to encourage me and have pushed me into the path I'm now. And that's awesome. And in bringing up women, it's something I know that you and I connected on whenever we're in Frisco, just because in the sports industry, yes, you're starting to see more and more women. And yes, every day, women are taking that step forward. And so I, I love that you you bring that up because I think that you are a role model for other young women um, to say, hey, if you go in and you work hard and you have the right people there along your path that are willing to help you, you know, so look for the mentors and the leadership, then you're able, you know, to now be sitting at a desk as the director of athletics marketing for a university. And again, you, you never lost hope of, of any of that. You had your goals and you were kind along the way. You treated people the way that they needed to be treated. And so I, I do, I, I credit that a lot to your mentorship, but even more so to the way that, that your parents raised you. And so I love that you, you know, give, give them a little bit of shout out too. It's always, always fun to, to see the personal side of everyone. So thank you for sharing that. As you have journeyed on again, a decade in the sports industry, which is to be commended because it's not easy. And for our listeners out there, you know, who are majoring in sport management right now, you know, what is one common myth that you would say from the sports industry that that you hear a lot or that you hear a little bit, but what is one common myth that, that you'd like to speak on today? I wish I had the the graphic of this meme right now because it'd be so perfect. It has like nine different pictures and it's like, this is what my friends think I do. This is what my mom thinks I do. This is what the players think we do. And it was just so perfect because it's everybody's per- perception of what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people see they just see the sports telecast or they see what actually, you know, when you go to a live sporting event, what's actually taking place. And they don't think about all the behind the scenes work and all the people that are there helping put this show on. And so they think that we just, you know, sit back, relax, like we work nine to five, not true. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, the biggest question I always get asked is what do you do in the off season? I'm like, what do you mean? What do I do in the off season? And I think that's perception of we're only working when the season is in, you know, and they don't understand everything that kind of goes along with working in this industry. And uh, I remember early on, you know, it's kind of those people would always say, why, why are you still working or why this and why that? And, And it's, if you were to add it up, it's sometimes 60 to 80 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And that's even in the off season, because there's a lot to prepare for. You know, I know when we were in Frisco with events, and corporate partner days and things of that nature. And now being at a university, there's really not an off season. There's always a sport in season. And then you still have to be taking care of the ones that are out of season to make sure that they're set up for success when their season does start. And that you know, people are ready to watch and <laughs> excited about what's coming. So uh, I definitely, I think that that's a popular one. And, and so I love that you bring that up. 
for just kind of all of our listeners in general, again, you have that minor league experience. You have now collegiate experience. You know, a lot of people, because of your involvement with the National Sports Forum and minor league baseball, you know, being able to go to promo seminars and, and winter meetings. What are some fun things that you feel like you've done along the journey that that you really, you know, are thankful for and helped you a little bit further each day? Yeah, I think there's just so much I've been able to either, you know, we spearheaded or I've been just able to participate in or, you know, see from afar. You know, in Bowling Green, we were really tight in the community. Um, so we did a lot. We had a lot of really amazing community partners, whether it be the Buddy House with our Down Syndrome group, taking our players over there to do Zumba class with them. That was so much fun. We hosted a memorial baseball game uh, in honor of a, a young local player that passed away. You know, just being able to see those moments and to bring, it's so cliche, but to bring those memories um, to people was always super special to me. And then in Frisco, you know, you take those community elements and then, but we were able to elevate it with all of like the amazing events that you helped run at the ballpark, you know, the Red River Celebrity Softball Game. I got to see my favorite baseball player in person. Like that was super fun. And just like the different opportunities that we were afforded being, being able to connect to different people um, and different organizations, I've always thought was incredible. And you learn so much from them and you learn, you know, what they're passionate about and you see how it ties into what you're passionate about with where you work. And so I always think that that's um, incredibly special. And I would agree with you there, you know, talking about the community and just creating those memorable moments and those memorable experiences, because that is truly what life is all about. You know, that all the hours that you pour in and that you will continue to pour into what you do is that at the end of the day, you're getting to make a memorable experience, a memorable moment for a family that you may never even meet, but they were there experiencing that. Where can our listeners connect with you online? So um, Twitter and Instagram are probably my two most uh, used platforms. Um, <laughs> it is Jen Johnson 2520 on both platforms. And the last question that I have for you today is um, what does joy in the journey mean to you? I think joy in the journey to me just means, you know, having faith in myself, you know, following your faith and, you know, just trusting where it's going to lead you you know, um, having the support of my family, my friends, um, is an important part of that journey, but also, you know, my relationships and how I give back is also part of that too. So, you know, there's, it's a multifaceted journey. It's not just a one, one way street. (laughs) Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of that ties into something that we love to share, which is faith, family, and fun. And how does, how does your relationships all connect together in that? And, uh, you know, are you following your faith? Are you creating a family, a community around you uh, with your family, with your friends and with the community as a whole? And, and are you having fun? Because that those are uh, you're doing that and it'll be a pretty joyful day. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you again for joining us and thank you all for tuning in. If there's ever a topic or a guest you want to hear from, please email me at kbt at katherinebuckley.com and let me know. I am so excited to continue to share with you and would love to hear from you. So please subscribe and leave me a review wherever it is that you get your podcast. Thank you again, Jennifer, for joining and sharing your journey today. Until next week, I will leave you with the words from Thomas Monson. Let us relish life as we live it, find joy in the journey, and share our love with friends and family.